It's another Tromedy Tuesday, or you may be listening on another day, but I launch every Tuesday with Tromedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma with humor. Yeah, throw it up into the light, help it shift, make it more manageable. You don't have to be alone with this stuff. This is peer-to-peer sharing. It's therapeutic humor, and it is... uh, it's fun. I've been I've been learning every every episode I'm learning something and I hope it benefits you as well. This week's guest is my friend Kate Strobel. She's a hilarious powerhouse. Uh, just en- enjoy her high energy so much. I, I guess cuz I like I like to use a lot of energy on stage too. So it's kind of fun to see another woman with she's she's taken it to another level. Enjoy this week's episode. And tune in again next Tuesday. (laughs) Here we go. Maybe we should start the podcast. All right. Let's start. Woo. (laughs) Welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is Kate Strobel. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yay, Kate. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. You're doing a show tonight in Boulder. I am. Yes. Comic (laughs) Sense. It's actually my first weekend ever being there, so I'd never done the the Boulder Auto Show before. So, oh, you know what? I haven't either. Okay, I'm yeah. a, I'm doing it on my birthday weekend. Ooh. September first is my birthday. I'm putting it out there to the universe. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I did it first time last night. Very cool little room. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I want to go check it out. Like, Come if on, you just give a hop shit. in my car. <laughs> Let's go. Get in the car. Get in the clown car. <laughs> Got the clown pants. You do. You have on. You have on. Lovely striped pants with a floral top. And no, is it floral or would you say it's paisley? I honestly, yeah, they're, they're flowers. Oh, I love it. And I love the combination because you were saying you're mixing some prints. Mm-hmm. It is so cool. And then whatever that fabric is, it has little stripes in it. Yeah. It goes with this, the stripes. I just got a, a thrift store in Capitol Hill in Denver. It's one of my favorite shirts. Sometimes you're just, you never know what you're going to find. You get a classic. We call it treasure hunting. Treasure hunting. When I took my son to Goodwill when yes. I was a single mom and I, I reframed the poverty. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's important. Let's go treasure hunting at the Goodwill. And then it wasn't for him, obviously, not about clothes so much, although every now and then he would find something he liked. But it was the toys. So we'd go to the toy section and find the perfect Hot yeah. Wheels or something. Yeah, so I love so that. a thrift store find is the best. Yeah. I, my, have, I was going to say my mom would reframe my poverty too because mostly I was eating like mayonnaise sandwiches for a snack but she'd be like we get to have a mayonnaise sandwich and I'd be like yeah and then I got to elementary school and people had sandwiches with like meat and cheese or peanut butter and jelly and I was like what the fuck is this shit (laughs) (laughs) hey man it ruins the taste of the mayo can you be honest that's true there is something (laughs) clean and pure I do like did you like your mayo sandwich oh yeah did you ever have mayo and just pickle Mayo and pickle. No. That was one of mine. That sounds great. My mom would give us, Mary, Mary and my sister was talking about this and wondering if it was about poverty or just uh, fat satiety. But my mom, <laughs> <laughs> my mom would make us uh, butter and sugar sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had a butter and sugar? I've, I don't know. I've had <laughs> toast you with butter remember. and brown sugar on it, but I don't know what. Well, the old Wonder Bread, <laughs> you know, the really soft white, full yeah. of nothingness bread, and then butter, and then granulated sugar, and okay. there was a crunch of the sugar. 
I got to tell you, I mean, it was pretty good, even though I do think it was probably. Oh, for sure. You uh, get a nice buzz off of it, too. <laughs> a little dopamine <laughs> <Yeah>. sandwich. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm more savory, though. I like mayonnaise. Yeah. Not Miracle Whip. Can I take a stand? You can. <laughs> it's too yeah. much sugar in the Miracle Whip for me. I, have, I haven't had either in a long time. I've been vegan for 12 years. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Yeah. I, do you ever eat the veganaise? I have. Some people call it veganaise. Which way do you say it? Um, veganaise. Veganaise. But yeah, come I, on. I definitely have. Um, <laughs> and uh, not for a long time, though. I don't, I don't typically make like, I don't know. I feel weird about the like tofurkey meat. Like if I were to make a, f- a fake meat mayonnaise sandwich i don't typically do that i'm more of like oh i'm gonna have sprouts and lettuce and tomato and avocado that's like my ideal sandwich beautiful you eat things that are of the earth well i'm scared of processed food in general so i feel like even the bacon and the it's like who knows what it is i i i actually know you're doing the best thing because i am trying to shop more and more you're inspiring me because i every now and then i fall back on well, not every now and then, quite often. <laughs> I'm eating yeah. junk food, vegetarian stuff that came yeah. in plastic. And I really rather eat in the produce section. But we jumped right in here and I just want to introduce you. And I was like, wow. <laughs> We're like, let's go, Kate. We have both kind of high energy, in yes. the moment, stand-up comedy. We do. And mm-hmm. I really love your energy. You are 33 and a third of Firecracker Comedy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. With Gabby Gutierrez-Reed and Salma Zaki. Yes. Well, as you know, on Tromedy, we take our pain and play with it. And we want to show people, because sometimes other people, well, it's not just for comedians. I know we're talking a lot about comedy, but it's not really about comedy. As you know, it's about, like, how, it's peer-to-peer sharing. How do you deal with stress and trauma and pain in your life? And then I started off... On my first episode, I was, you, you you may or may not know, but Heather was my friend who survived a serial killer. Oh, and wow. I, yeah, and it's amazing to hear her story of resilience and post-traumatic gifts and all that stuff. So I thought at first I was going to take people and go, oh, tell, tell me your trauma, and then mm-hmm. we'll make it funny. Well, that just felt a little daunting. So we work backwards. We take, let's show how something you've done already organically yeah. like comedians do and a bit that people may or may not know it may be obvious or not obvious that yeah. it has some trauma behind it we play the bit and then we deconstruct it a little bit and yeah. are you up for that I'm up for that I would love to do that most of my comedy is based on I mean it, it is just I'm an open book on stage and it's experiences that I have had and usually challenging ones so I definitely talk a lot about my trauma on stage. And yeah. So it is a way for me to process things, or at least I feel like if I am able to talk about them on stage, I have processed them in some way. Because otherwise I would be up there just like crying. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good when you're like, oh, I am at a point where I can talk about this. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done it where it's too soon? Where you're like, oh, poop. It was too I soon. Think, uh, I can't like, believe I just said poop. Can oh, I just, can poop. I cut? Oh, poop. Oh, poop. It's too <laughs> soon. <laughs> um. <laughs> Definitely with my breakup that I went through last year, oh. I think uh, there were times where I was, you know, people always like breakup materials, the best material. This is where you <laughs> find all of it. And I was trying to work through that, but I was just like, oh no, I'm just sad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Not funny yet. 
but. not and sometimes when it's like a, almost like what is a healthy breakup i don't i've never had one but yeah. ima- imagine <laughs> i'm imagining yeah when you still love the person yeah you truly and, love yeah. them and it's just sad it didn't work out where you know whereas you know when i break up with one of my many sociopathic exes <laughs> it is so fun yes. to get back up there and go and then you know oh my gosh the totally. trauma bond joke or whatever totally. i can see the difference though when it's just a loss where it's like but this is just a sad yeah, loss. And I don't really have cute. anything bad to say. Yeah. I don't want to make fun of them. I want to respect the, our relationship and them. Where So it's not coming from a place of like, oh, they really fucked me over. And yeah. And so I, or I'm in my case, I really fucked myself over. <laughs> yeah. That's where, I mean, that's what I'm trying to own my power. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up at the meeting today on the podcast. This is what this podcast is for, for people who maybe can see. their own power like yes maybe we've been victimized but where did I step into that role for me like I'm the one that's totally like yay I I see so many red flags and go diving right or Mm -hmm. have I have to speak in past tense my therapist keeps telling me yeah you're like you're not there anymore Nance we're not manifesting (laughs) that no we don't need any more I don't need any more material around sociopaths yeah okay So tell me, do you want to just play the, the bit? Sure, we can just, I can, yeah, I can give can, some context or we can just We can play, play it through. It. Well, what do you want to do? What feels best to you? I want you to do what feels best. Well, maybe I'll just, I won't describe too much about the bit, but this is all true. And I think that's one thing I've started telling this story within the past couple of months. And it's got a lot of different parts and turns. And I have noticed that audiences at the end of the shows, they'll be like, that was, you have such a wild imagination. And that was like a crazy, that's, that was hilarious, but it was a crazy story that you made up. And I'm like, no, I didn't make any part of this up. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's, it's all, it all happened for like, it happened a little bit differently, but all of the parts are true. <laughs> I did, I did used to smoke crack. I did. Uh, yeah. I did crack now. Okay. <laughs> um, So back then, I was listening to a lot of Lou Reed. And when I was driving home alone on Colfax one night, and this guy asked if I wanted to smoke up, I was like, hey, let's take a walk on my nuts. <laughs> and that did kind of spiral into like the worst three months of my life, where I was kind of sore, smoking crack every single day. <laughs> and then it came to an end when I was hanging out with my crack dealer on my couch one night, and he just started like banging on the couch, and, like groaning and drooling, just like, ugh, ugh. And I was like, this is so fucking gross and creepy. What am I doing with my life? Like, this is the most barbaric way I've ever been hit on. Turns out it was actually cardiac arrest. Um, <laughs> and he kind of sort of bagged on my couch. So, yeah, this little this time. I mean, I'm really cool. um, And when the police got there, they could tell I was just a young woman that was, like, kind of caught up in something she shouldn't have been. And they let me off the hook. And I actually went back to Rhode Island to complete my IV. <laughs> And when I, um, when I got back to Brown University, my classmate, Emma Watson, um, yes, that's Emma Watson. Um, she asked how my summer was. She was like, how was your summer cake? Mine was amazing. I spent a yachting on the Adriatic Sea. And I was like, It's all the time, okay? I look like a 
that's pretty much it. Wow, that is such a ride. I love, I love, I, who would ever, like you said, what a great imagination that you were, yeah. you were at Brown University with Emma Watson. And, and during your summer vacation, went on a crack jag. I don't know. <laughs> yes. And live to tell the tale. Live to tell the tale, yeah. Oh, and, and I want to make sure the audio was yours. So what the guy was doing was, what was he doing? He was hitting on the, your crack yeah. dealer. This is your crack, yeah. you call him your crack dealer. So <laughs> what really had happened is the first time I ever smoked crack was, well, at the time I was dating, I was 20 summer back in Denver for summer break I had this internship and I met this 40 year old guy and was you know in retrospect like pretty obviously groomed by him but it was the first man that ever really showed me attention or was interested in me can I I just say my first grooming yes my first grooming (laughs) it was my first grooming it It feels when you're 20 and you think you're so grown up oh my god yes you are ready Yes. And I did have my sisters, my sister's six years older than me. So I had her ID. She like kind of when I went to college, she was like, you can now take this and go to the bars and, you know, buy alcohol. And so I was also underage, but going to bars with him. And he was just a very bad person, alcoholic. I didn't know that he was a drug addict at first. But weirdly, we got, I mean, we, it was just such a like tumultuous relationship where we'd be so drunk somewhere in downtown Denver and he lived in Capitol Hill. And I was like, it was either like hanging out with him in Capitol Hill and say I'm at my sister's house or like go back to my parents' house and stay with them because I was just home for summer break. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to have my, my life not inside my parents' house. Summer loving. Summer loving. Having some fun. <laughs> but we got in this. He, I, who knows, dramatic drunken fight where I decided to walk home alone and the route back to, which was still like to his apartment, but I was like, fuck you. The route back to his apartment was down Colfax. And I just remember um, kind of like walking by this alley and this guy being like, hey, what's up? And for whatever reason was the level of drunk where I went down that alley. And he was like, do you want to smoke? And I was like, yeah, sure. Kind of just thinking like we'd smoke some weed. And we went back into this like parking lot behind this apartment complex. And he pulled out a glass pipe. And I was like, oh, I'm not familiar like with this type of pipe. And so I did ask him to shotgun the smoke into my mouth. Which all of this sounds so crazy. <laughs> but I was the most naive, stupid person. And really wasted drunk. And so he shotgunned the smoke into my mouth. And as soon as it was in my mouth, I was like, oh, this is not weed. And I remember being like, what, um, what are we smoking? And he was like, crack cocaine. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) So there have been on shows, like certain episodes, like I remember the show girls had an episode where one of the girls accidentally smokes crack and it's called the crackcident. But this is how I got into it because it was a crackcident. It was a crackcident. And I think then I got high and then I got really interested in his life and just, I don't know, like I'm this 20 year old suburban girl who was like, so do you, do you smoke crack like every day? Like what? And he's like, no, no, I like can go like some days with that. But we just stayed up 
talking about life and his family. Like he had a few kids that his wife ex had gotten custody over. And we just sat in this parking lot off of Colfax having this conversation. He at one point left because he was like, I can go get another rock. And I was like, great. He at one point left. I just stayed sitting there in this parking lot. And he came back and we smoked another rock. And by that point, the sun had come up and then he walked me home, which was to my ex's apartment building and was not like, didn't ever make a move. Wasn't ever creepy. And was just like, thank you for the nice night. And I was like, I had fun. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I mean, and I can see that, like, especially if you've been with somebody who is abusive, using you. And then there's this guy who's offering genuine connection yeah it It was genuine connection it didn't ever get to a place where I felt unsafe or uncomfortable or violated in any way (laughs) so I'm like I kind of romanticized that night where because after that is when it got a little seedier and darker because I did continue well what happened is I got back to the apartment and my boyfriend person wasn't there and so I was like oh shit I was expecting him to be so worried about me this yeah. was like before smartphones. I know I had a cell phone, but I like, it was like maybe dead or it wasn't like you had a dependency on your phone in yeah. the same way. Back in the day when you were, had some autonomy. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. And so then I started getting really nervous and calling him and I remember his phone was dead, but eventually I did get a hold of him and he was like, oh, hey, I stayed at my friend's house. Sorry. And I was like, well, where the freaking heck are you? Because uh, I got to tell you, I smoked crack all night. And I need some assistance and I'm freaking out. And he was like, that's so crazy. I smoked crack all night. What? And he's like, I'm at my buddy's place and we're still smoking a little bit. And he was like, I didn't, I kind of haven't told you about this because I didn't think you'd be into it. But like, did you like it? And I was like, I guess. Yeah. And so he was like, great. And so then it was revealed through my crack accident that he was a crack addict. Oh, (laughs) So that liberated his truth. Yes. That he actually, and the, did it kind of start, well, anyway, man, I have so many questions. Know, First of all, can really I, I want to hold my situation. hand up. I want to go, I, I do this sometimes too during the podcast because I'm like, I have questions <laughs> I want to ask, but I don't want to interrupt your process. I was curious though, because I, I mean, I've never smoked crack cocaine. Yeah. So when you're, so you were drunk. Did it like sober you up? Is it like For Narcan sure. or something? Like yeah. where you're like, I felt very alert, aware, you know, you're having, you, you know how people, when they get coked out, they're having like a million thoughts a minute and they're having, they think they're having the most profound conversation ever. So that is what I thought was happening with me and this man. I'm sure it wasn't that level, but it really felt like, oh, I understand everything and I understand you and you understand me and well, you never know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm trying not to vilify drugs so much. Right. And, and I get that this one's highly addictive, right? Yes, Crack it is, is super yeah. addictive. And then does it, so do you just start craving another one? Yeah. Well, the thing is the high only lasts for about 10 minutes. And so then you come down really quickly. Then you want to smoke more. Do you, you go below down. when you come down? Do you go like below baseline? For like, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. shoot. Yeah. So you get this nice beautiful 10 minutes or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. not going to say beautiful. I don't know what to say. It is euphoric 10 you, minutes. You have a euphoric sure. 10 yeah. minutes and then the come down is way. Yes. Way and then there. you're like, I need more. You're, you feel depressed more, need more, need more, or need you more. feel. Yeah. Depressed. Just like also, I think for me at that time, it was like, what am I doing? Like this feels gross and weird and 
like I was just on summer break, but I was like the captain of the softball team at my college. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you had a full scholarship yeah. to Brown University. <laughs> yes. And this is what I'm doing with my summer. And I did have an internship too that, um, you know, was like my first step into the corporate world, but that I had my summer internship that I was going to every day and then kind of having this like mostly on the weekends, but CD nightlife. Yeah. You're able to do, you're able to honor your commitments and do all that. So you managed it somehow. Yes. Yeah. And I never really liked it that much. So, I mean, after that night, um, the man I was seeing would, um, you know, purchase crack pretty frequently. I remember going on like a lot of, to a lot of sketchy places with him where he was like, you need to wait outside. And, you know, even then not, I, I just look back on it and I'm like, I just didn't realize the gravity of that situation or what could have happened. And there were also a lot of sketchy people in his apartment who did make me uncomfortable at times. But what happened with the crack dealer dying, I never had, like, I never directly had a crack dealer that I was, like, texting and, like, what's up, man? I need another rock or anything like that. I got everything through him or he'd bring it home. Through the boyfriend. Time, through the boyfriend, yeah. Not the, guy, not the other guy. Yeah, the other guy, the first night, the crack stand guy, I never saw him again. Oh, so interesting. We just had our one night in that parking lot. <laughs> That was your night. Yeah. And it honored you. But so this boyfriend you you kept through the summer. Yes, kept through the summer. This man friend. And I did go to my parents' house, which was in Lakewood. And I took the bus downtown to my internship. But his apartment, the boyfriend's apartment, was kind of on the way to my internship. So I remember one morning, and he had been laid off and was just like really depressed and drinking every day. And so one morning I stopped by, he lived right by the Queen Supers. So I stopped at Queen Supers. I got him a Redbox DVD and a Starbucks and was like, I'm going to drop him this off before I head to work and it's going to make him have a better day because he's so sad. And I went into his apartment and there was, he was asleep on one couch and this other random person I'd never seen before was asleep on another couch. And there was just crack paraphernalia all over the table. And I remember kind of like throwing the DVD at him and being like, having like, I think I'm like a Frappuccino or something ridiculous and just being like, I got you a fucking Frappuccino and like throwing the DVD. (laughs) 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 And him waking up and being like, oh, what what are you doing here? (laughs) And then the other guy on the other couch started waking up. And that is when he, like, I just was really creeped out because he just sat up and he was just like, (laughs) and I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I don't know what the fuck's going on. And I just remember storming out. I went to my internship and had several, like I had meetings in the morning, whatever, had several missed calls. And I eventually like went out, took a break, went outside and listened to my voicemails. And my voicemails from my boyfriend were like, he's dead. He he's dead. I tried to resuscitate him. Oh. He's gone. I don't know what to do. The cops are coming. I was like putting it together in my head that, Oh man, what must have been happening at that point was he was having some sort of health issue um, and ended up that I was not there when he died, but I think I, what I witnessed was like the beginning of a heart attack. Because then the paramedics did, he tried, the boyfriend tried to resuscitate the guy who was just like a crack dealer. 
And, you know, these messages that I had, I, when I think about the trauma in that, just like hearing oh, those voicemails no and trying to process, like I obviously never had, who has had an experience like that, but you're at your summer job and you go outside to listen to a message and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I can't go back in and be like, hey, my boyfriend's a crack addict and um, I think this guy just died on his couch. So do you mind if I take the rest of the day off? <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? I I did take the rest of the day off, but I think I just said like my boyfriend's really sick and needs some help. And yeah. then I went back to his apartment. Were you afraid to go back there because the cops might be around or anything um, like that? He had at that point let me know that they left and they I the way he described it to me was they were sort of aware of who this person that died was. My boyfriend at the time told the cops, like, he's just a friend of mine who didn't have anywhere to stay. And I just gave him a place to stay for the night. And they were kind of like, yeah, okay. But they just kind of took the body and left. Like, he didn't really get in trouble for, like, possession. I think he hid everything and he didn't get in trouble for, like, possession yeah. of drugs or anything like that. And they, I think, was revealed that he had a heart attack. And how? <sighs> How are anyway, you? I got back to the apartment <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't think I was processing what was going on at all because I was like, oh, I have to get to him. He's, he's freaking out. He's so, and I remember just kind of like staring at the couch and feeling really weird and confused. And then the two of us went to Cheeseman Park together and like laid in the park and processed. But I remember even that night we went to like one of his friends' birth, I think it was a Friday. I think we went to one of his friends' birthday parties that night. And all of his friends were older. Like, I think it, that it was like a 35th birthday party or something that we were going to. And I was telling his, I, I just, I think about a lot of the pieces of this in retrospect. And I'm like, were these people like, hey, what's this 20-year-old girl doing here? And also I told all of them at the birthday party, I was like, this guy died today. And I'm kind of like, I don't know what to, and the boyfriend guy was just not talking about it, but you know, people would be like, how was your day? And I would be like, I'm having a really hard time because <laughs> this guy died on his couch. And everyone was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And that it just felt like no one was taking me seriously or the situation seriously. And they were all drunk. And, and so ev they were also like partying and on So it's very altered levels of consciousness. Yes. And it must have this Alice in Wonderland feeling. Yes. Of like waking up in this world of nobody seems to care about anything. Like yeah. this guy just died. Yeah. And they're not really, it's not even clicking. Yeah. And then your boyfriend's just in denial totally. or moved on or compartmentalized yeah. it. Who knows? I don't know crazy wow. was that the beginning of the end of that relationship or how did no we dated for four years four more years oh, no. <laughs> i did not see that coming i did not see that coming at all Kate, i have to laugh i really thought i'm like oh well i bet this was the end i bet she's out of there now just four more years <laughs> what? Yeah, that, that, okay Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was always like, because I was still in college for two more years. So it was always like, I'm back in Denver for the summer or winter break. We'd spend it this, together. This was your bad and boy. And then man. I'd go back to college and it, we, we never had like a, it was open. It was like, you're in college, be in college. Like it was never like, you're my boyfriend and I'm saving yeah. everything for you. But <laughs> When I was back in Denver, we were together. And then when I graduated college, I did move back to Denver and we were together for together, but off and on and off and on and on for probably another year after that. 
Wow. Yeah. That's a big growth time. Yes. A lot going on. And somehow you have a lot of resilience because I, <laughs> I, you know, cause I'm impressed that you can handle all that. Yeah. That, I don't, I don't know. Did, I mean, I have, and it's like, you know, I've definitely talked about it a lot in therapy, but for a long time, I think I didn't realize the gravity of, cause I remember going back to college and telling everyone like, ah, smoke crack all summer. Like joke. Like I just thought it was funny or like I had this weird experience and then I'd tell people about the guy that died. And I just remember my friends being like shocked and like, are you okay? And I was like, wait, you guys are kind of being a buzzkill. Like it was, it was crazy. It was crazy (laughs) summer. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it was hard for me to go back to school and connect with my peers who were who had not had this experience and I was very, yeah. I definitely wasn't processing it. I deflected and was like, man, I really did it up and definitely didn't deal with it for years later. And I think when I started dating my, my ex boyfriend that was after that guy, I had a lot of behaviors at the beginning of that relationship that he, and he had very strong boundaries and a lot of self-respect. And he was like, I don't know where you've been, but this is not how you treat people. And that was very much like, oh, I think I need to go to therapy and like work through some of this stuff. And learn how people that (laughs) (laughs) are self-aware and have self-love deal with things. Yes. Wow. What a ride. But when, so the other part of that story is, is being classmates with Emma Watson. Yeah. I wanted to, I was, that's what I was about to say. Like, you know, my classmates didn't really do, especially Emma Watson. That's so wild. And the Harry Potter had already happened. Yes. I think. So she was already famous. Oh, very, very Very famous. famous. So one of the things you can do at Brown is the first two weeks of every semester is called shopping period. And you're just deciding what classes you do or do not want to take before you commit to the full semester of those classes. So for two weeks, you're just bopping in and out of classrooms, you, meeting sh- the professor. The word is shopping. Shopping. shopping yeah. I kind of said shopping, yeah. Well, I wasn't shopping. sure. Well, I didn't know. I mean, it could go either way, right? So you're, you get to go in and out of a bunch of classes yes. and figure, oh, that's mm-hmm. so great. And then, yeah, you're sample. not just bound to... Like on Audible, like, you get to sample yeah. the listening. Do I like this voice? <laughs> Anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is my all I have to compare to I, Ivy League education. Well, I had an Audible account. <laughs> I had an Audible. Like the samples on this, Audible. I did have an Audible membership. <laughs> no, but I was thinking how different teachers or professors have such different styles, right? Yeah. How they have different styles. You yeah. know, so you're just like, you might like the subject, but then it's like, ah, I can't listen to that nasal voice or that. Whatever it is. Okay, go ahead. But so you're shopping. We're shopping. Around for two weeks. a rumor that Emma is shopping this one history class. So my friend Lindsay and I are like, we got to go shop this class too. (laughs) And it was a really small class. Maybe like the classroom itself could fit 20 people. So very intimate. We were kind of all sitting around in desks. She's sitting next to us. We're trying to be normal. Um, But she was kind of like, talking about her summer and how, you know, just excited she was to be at school. And in that moment, I had this sort of (laughs) just, I could never tell her about my summer or like, I can't even process what just happened in my summer, but it's so completely different than any, any life experience that, I mean, maybe she has had a crack period. Who knows? Who knows? And I was thinking it might be the best thing for her to hear. You yeah. Know? Cause it's like everybody trying to be like, Oh yes. I also was on the Adriatic right. Sea in a yacht. And so that, uh, you know, that part of the joke 
it's just that feeling of, and also I, I honestly had no idea what the Ivy League was. I went to public high school in Lakewood. The only reason that I went to Brown was luck because a softball recruiter saw me at a tournament in Houston, Texas, and I wasn't signed yet. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go to college. And uh, like, I still had a great GPA and good test scores and all of that. But it does when they want you to play a sport there, it puts your application kind of on the top of the pile. So you're usually competing with that's amazing. Every other person who has the 4.0 GPA and the incredible SAT scores. And so there's no way I would have gotten in or had that opportunity if not for softball, which is also like, I didn't know what I was walking into as far as. Yeah, I would think the, uh, the wealth that I didn't know what private high school was. So these sort of prep schools in New England that my peers had gone to, it was just like a world that I was like, what the hell is going on? Total culture shock. Total culture shock. And really, how do you communicate about things? Yeah. How, how did you handle that? Did I'm so curious because, you know, I grew up in the Ozarks and my dad, he always said we were poor folk, but I mean, we were middle class, uh, and but the thing is I think there's just that feeling like I, I still get uncomfortable at a fancy restaurant yes and I say me too and say the wrong thing <laughs> yeah. or not really know what some of the stuff is you know you, we come from eating yeah. mayonnaise sandwiches <laughs> yeah. and butter and sugar sandwiches yeah it's like but you guys do you have a butter and sugar sandwich anywhere but yeah. how was that for you like how did you cope with that part did you just say okay I'm just going to be me or did you just mask or hide or how did you manage it? I think I always have just been me. I just have that, whatever that is. Uh, Cause I, re I remember, um, like I hadn't really started performing yet, but like in high school, we didn't have a talent show, but we had this thing. My high school was called Bear Creek. We had this thing called Bear Idol. And it was because American Idol was really popular at the time, but at the whole school assembly, which was like 600 people, you could go and sing and then the judges would kind of like rate you, rate you. And I always did a ridiculous Britney Spears song and like wore a crazy outfit and like ripped my clothes off and then had like another crazy outfit underneath. And I don't have a great voice, but I would really perform and just like dance like crazy. Just so sell the shit out of it and I, have fun, go I, campy, campy, go over the top. Yes, so campy. And I remember one of the first weeks at Brown they had a little talent show to get the freshmen to like, and I just remember like, I, I'm going to sign up. And I did yeah. my, I like, I remember wearing sweatpants and like a wife beater tank top. And I sang Britney Spears, give me more. And I ripped my tank top off and then like ripped my, they were like the button down pants, ripped those off. And then I had like this red sequin dress underneath and uh. then was just like pelvic thrusting, like, give me, give me more. Give me more. <laughs> and so I think I've always kind of had like a fuck it. I don't care what people think attitude, but, and also my roommate did not come from wealth and that was really awesome. And she, she is and was Palestinian and I had, no, I, I, in my public high school education, we didn't learn anything about like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or yeah. any, like I, I had no idea. And so she'd always be like. And oh. in our in our society, we don't really get to right. hear the Palestinian point of view yes. very often, do we? And that was yeah. it was crazy. And I, I just remember being very. You know, she'd be talking to her family in Arabic. And then I was like, I kind of want to learn Arabic. So I actually studied Arabic all all no the rest kidding. of the three years of college, too. What a, what 
what a life-changing um, experience. But she was just like a very grounded person. So I think that was helpful. And then the girls on the softball team also, they didn't really oh, yeah. come from... You got your, you know, so you I had your, the got, whole squad yeah. of friends too. And we just kind of did our own thing. I think there were, there were definitely, I remember cliques of girls that you could tell were just like perfect. And I remember sort of idolizing them and wanting to be a part of that group where they just had like, there were these bags that were really popular. I don't remember the brand. Every, long champ, long champ. Longchamp. Everyone had these freaking bags. And I remember I went through a period where I was like, one day I'll have a Longchamp bag. And then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> to put my yeah. softball mitt yeah. in there. <laughs> wow. What? But yeah, I think the part of the, um, the Emma Watson part of that bit, it is true in that we went to school together. We had class together. But it's more about an ex expressing a feeling of like coming back into this world that I felt so separate from after having had this other experience. And so then it escalates to that point of like, oh, me too, Emma. <laughs> you know, like same, you know. Like same Z's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of wild too, because in a weird way, yeah, that other world, the, the, your, you know, the crack, the crack <laughs> world. <laughs> Listen to me. You know, your crack friends. <laughs> well, you did. The you homies. Know, the homies. <laughs> oh, Nance. I, I think I could get arrested for saying homies. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, the homies, the crack culture that you were yeah. in, that you didn't, that didn't, you didn't quite belong in there. And you didn't, like the through line for you is, like you said, I am just me. Yeah. I have this thing. That I bring, you have this access to a lot of energy. You've yeah. always had a lot of energy. You vibe so with high energy. energy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I don't, I just, I know the softball team was like my grounded place. And we would, I would do so many like pranks and just, I, there's always, I'm always like, I was doing comedy. I just didn't know it then. <laughs> yeah. You were the softball clown. But yeah, totally. And I, we'd have these trips where we, I remember one, we had a tournament in South Carolina that ended up getting rained out and we were just stuck in the hotel all weekend. And, um, I just made a bunch of like videos on my computer in my room that were funny videos that, and I, and I made songs like weird, just, um, what's this freestyle lyrics. And then I would bring it back. We'd all like congregate in one room and I'd play the videos and I'd play the songs wow. and everybody would laugh and be like, you're so crazy. Yeah. That's so creative. But, yeah. And you're doing a lot of cool creative sketches too on Instagram. Yeah. We're, you, we're trying to really get into doing more sketches. It's just hard to, okay. it's hard to plan and film. God, it's, it's so hard to get everybody together, it isn't is, it? Yeah. But I love, you did one recently that just was killing me. Was it about, that was like a parody of dating uh, shows? Yes. Oh, it was yes. so good. And yeah. that's one. Is that, that was Gabby's, Gabby wrote that whole thing. It was her concept. Oh, um, and you guys did yeah. it so well. Yeah. I want to so rewatch it. And I might even like play, I might even play, a, can I play it? Yeah, Would totally. you be okay with yeah. me playing that? It's making fun of how, well, it was based on the queer ultimatum mostly, but they oh. had these at the end, they each had to give a long spiel about how they felt about each other, but kind of keep it ambiguous so that you can't tell as the audience if they're going to pick them or yeah, not pick I, them. Uh, yes. Are they going to marry so, them? Because it's a show where the ultimatum, I ended up watching it because I did, I did Dyktopia, I did one of, uh, you know. Kate and Lee. Kate and Lee. Yeah. And the lesbians were not having it. 
whatever I brought, they were just like, tell, we want to talk about the ultimatum. Oh. And I had not seen it. So I was like, I have, I'm sorry. I don't know it. You know, and I did end up watching the queer ultimatum. So the ultimatum is about, yeah, show where they, what they go off and then, oh, you no, it's come, a couple that's yeah, a, come the, in as a couple. One, one person wants to get married. The yes. other one doesn't. I mean, what could go right anyway? There's such a, I, anyway. Okay. Let's force the ultimatum. So, Never give an ultimatum. So you're doing a parody of that yes, show. Yes. Where at the end, the, there's that's sort of where they give their big spiel at the end of like, I have loved you for so long and you're so beautiful the way you make me flowers bouquets and coffee everyone just like the level of weird detail they went to and it was like they were reading a poem and um so we're making fun of that like we're just going back and forth and saying like ridiculous things about how much we love each other kate you stole my heart and i don't know how you did it because it was locked up real good you freaking found the blueprints Went in the ventilation system, memorized the security schedule, and you took it. What is love? It's a five-letter word, but it's in the way you make me coffee every morning, just the way I like it. You're like that barista at Starbucks that knows I don't always tip, but I say, I'll get you next time, girl, and I will get you next time in the next life. Sorry, I didn't get that. Can you run it back? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, that was Gabby Gutierrez-Reed and Kate Strobel and Salma Zaki, the firecracker girls. They are firecrackers. Salma and Kate are moving to New York City, and they're going to smuggle Gabby in a suitcase. So watch for Firecracker in New York City. And you can follow them at Firecracker Comedy on Instagram. So you've been doing, but you've been doing stuff like that. Sounds like your whole life. Just yeah, doing I guess little just act outs and, the dots that yeah. you could do stand up. <laughs> well, I think one of the things I'd love to end with is just knowing. I was thinking about your sense of belonging. I just heard this little snippet of Brene Brown say that uh, fitting in, fitting in is the opposite of belonging i'm gonna misquote her oh i like that you know like if you're trying to fit in versus just know that you're okay and you can be who you are wherever you are and man that i am how did you get there did your parents let you did they just like do your thing girl i absolutely did my thing like they were not there (laughs) so basically it was absentee parenting yes maybe that in a way is the best thing you can do yeah i'm wondering that too like best thing we can do as parents get out of the way yeah you know maybe they did that yeah i don't know you created your own sense of i definitely created my own worlds i was there was a while where i was convinced i was a vampire slayer and would be on the playground alone fighting imaginary vampires. <laughs> I love that. Like, didn't have many friends, but I was like, I'm saving lives out here. <laughs> the Vampire Slayer. I was on the just playground. so obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer that that show it, it started in like 1997, I think. So I was seven at the, at that time, and you it li- ran through most of my. I was watching it weekly, like uh, obsessed with it, and it ran through most of my young through my teenage years so it kind of became your world right i mean because that that does happen with with tv shows and totally and the fact that your parents didn't tell you you have to be something else you never had the message you had to be something else yeah i guess so and i don't know i definitely have tried to fit into 
things that I don't belong in or, you know, I remember out of college, the roommates that I lived with were, uh, they're amazing women and we're still friends today, but just very into hair and makeup and wearing the heels and going to the fancy bar and drinking martinis. And I definitely tried to like, I tried that out for a little bit, but then always felt like I was just the weird one that didn't quite fit in. And now I think if there's a situation or people that I can tell pretty quickly, I, I just don't love their energy or I won't vibe with it. I just tend to avoid it versus I'm not good at, at making like a pretending to. Yeah. You don't need to. Yeah. Any, yeah. You, yeah. And I can see, and there's a part of us as you're evolving, like, let me try this on. Totally. Let me try crack on for a season. I <laughs> <laughs> try it. I'm glad I'm still not wearing crack <laughs> <laughs> or not still wearing crack. <laughs> yeah. And well, you're clearly very adaptable. And yeah, resilient. And that is actually true. I am very adaptable where like, uh, what, just the level, like I, I used to have a very high paying job and then I didn't for a while, but the, the quickly I was just eating like rice and beans and things. And I remember talking to my ex-girlfriend about this cause she was like, you, you, you used to like have like Blue Apron delivered every week and now you're just literally eating rice and beans and nothing else and you don't care. Like you're not any, di and I was like, I guess I just kind of like, I'm like, oh, I'm poor now, so this is what I'm eating. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. And frankly, I love beans and rice. Oh, it's the best. And I, I can't, so I wish that I was vegan. I love vegans. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to vegans because they take so much abuse in our culture right now. I also, I'm, I will say like, I'm. I, there are times where I have, a little bit of dairy like even when we were in South Dakota they made an espresso martini and I knew there was milk in it but I was like whatever I'm gonna drink that well, so I try you, I'm you, as far as what I buy it's fully vegan um but you know there are times when you're out and it's like the only thing has cheese on it so I'm not 100% like oh my god but it is a it's a it's a value that For you sure. have that yeah. you strongly have that you're very committed to and yeah like you said okay once in a while I mean <laughs> I used, I was for a year and a half. I, I looked at every ingredient. If there was casein or, or any little sneaky animal product, I didn't yeah. do it. And I, I will say it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be once I got in the rhythm of it. But then anyway, cheese yeah. and cracker day in kindergarten, my son started <laughs> eating cheese and crackers and it was yeah, all like, over. This is amazing. I know. <laughs> I know. And, or, or I think. I that remember. really is. There's nothing better than like a charcuterie situation. So <laughs> good. Know. But there's, there's, I like the vegan cheeses, but I know yeah. you're not as much into the faux. I do a lot of faux products, yeah. but yeah. anyway, I don't know what I was going there with the adaptability. I just think that one of the things I have yeah. taught my son is, Hey man, it's not always the strong that survive. It's the adaptable. Thank you for sharing your vulnerable truth. <laughs> You're welcome. It was a ride. Yeah. It was a journey, man. <laughs> we went through, we went to the crack times. We went back to crack times. <laughs> the summer of crack is what I call it. I had a summer of love. I call it my summer of love. Oh. I did really dangerous sex things. That okay. Were yeah. Yeah, not advisable. <laughs> and I mean, I survived. I lived to tell the tale, but yeah. there were really bad, bad choices. Yeah. Uh, for only, I don't know bad, but yeah, they were dangerous choices. Sometimes you get a, Take a walk on the wild side. You know, sometimes you do. <laughs> well, have fun tonight at the show. Thank you. And uh, have a blast in New York with Salma. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I want to thank my guest, Kate Strobel. Follow Kate on Instagram at Kate Strobes. She'll be in New York City. They're going to find a firecracker venue there. 
And I want to thank my son for helping with the music for, what is this? Tromedy. It is Tromedy. And if you want to be a guest on Tromedy, let me know. Do you have a story to tell? Do you want to deconstruct some comedy that you've already written? Or are you somebody who is not a comedian and wants us to help you laugh at your pain? Let me know. Send me a message at my website, nancynorton.tv. That's nancynorton.tv, like television. It's not a television. It's just that .com was taken by a jeweler. If you want some fine jewelry, you know where to go. I don't know why am I promoting jewelry. Uh, it's 3.15 in the morning, and I'm finishing up editing this podcast, as I always do in the middle of the night. I don't know. I really like doing stuff in the middle of the night. It's quiet. There's no... Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing going on. Uh, All right. Take care of yourselves. Remember, take your pain and play with it.